RPN, the Roddenberry Podcast Network. Trekkies and trekkers alike, you are all welcome here. Tuesday is the day, 7 p.m. is the time. Facebook is the place. It is Mission Log Live. I'm Ken Ray. And I'm John Champion. Each week on Mission Log Live, we gather around our communicators and holo imagers to talk Trek. You, our Star Trek pals, call in to chat with us, your Star Trek pals, about all kinds of things. Look, it might be Star Trek. Heck, it might even be an existential question about your place in the universe. And tonight would be a perfect time to drop that question on us. Our special guest this evening is Roger Nygaard. Now, sure, he made Trekkies and Trekkies 2, but he also made the documentary film The Nature of Existence, and he's got The Truth About Marriage coming up. We'll meet Roger in just a moment. Join us for that, won't you? It's easy. Just click the Zoom meeting link on your screen or use the one tap from your smartphone. You can dial us up at 669-900-6833. 669-900-6833, then you enter the meeting code, and then we're meeting, and it's exciting. We sure do thank you for joining us live, whether it's on Facebook or at YouTube, at Roddenberry Prod, or maybe you're picking up later on the uh, audio podcast version of this show. However you're getting here, we are super grateful that you are. We do have one thing that we ask, wherever you're picking up this show, be it on iTunes or on YouTube or on Facebook, uh, please hit like or you know give it a five-star rating or whatever. Please share this show with other people because, you know, the more the merrier, as they say. And uh, and and really, I'm looking forward to being much merrier, John. Wait, wait, you're not, you haven't hit, hit peak merriness? Well, no? the, the promise is the more, the merrier. It's kind okay. of like the higher, the fewer, the fewer yeah. yeah, or the lower, the more or something. So, mm-hmm. yes, the more, the merrier. That, that's what I personally am aiming for. Got it. Well, as Ken said, please call in and chat with us and chat with our guest, Roger. I'm sure that most everybody in our audience has probably seen Trekkies and Trekkies 2. Lots to discuss there, as well as Roger's other films. So you can call us. You can hit that link to join the Zoom meeting, or you can drop us a note right now. I'm looking at the chat thread on Facebook, and it's time to say hello, as I like to do. There's Chris. There's Lou. Lou says, please do not let this crash my computer again. Uh, we will do our best, Lou. Here's Cosmo. My buddy Cosmo looks like he's uh, having a cocktail or four in the chat. Uh, you got Ryan. You got Narda all the way from Australia. Am I correct? I just want to make sure on that. Uh, we've got David. We've got Dave, two different people, David and Dave. You got Barbara. You got Paul. You got Donna. Uh, so many people saying hello. There's Scott. So welcome to the show, everybody. Glad you could join us. I'm sure that we're going to have a fun conversation as we do every week. And uh, just a, a couple of bits of business to get to before we introduce Roger. Uh, we would like to let everybody know where to find us. Oh, no, no, no. Not just online, but in real life, too. IRL, as the kids say. Ken, if people are stalking me or you or the both of us, where can they do that? Uh, well, San Diego was going to be the place to do that in a couple of weeks because we are, of course, going to San Diego Comic-Con. I'm so excited. We've known for at least a month, I think, when our panels were going to be. Right. But the good people at Comic-Con have finally decided that other people might want to know, too. So they've, they've finally given the green light, and we are allowed to say where and when. I don't have where in front of us, though. Um, I know that the Roddenberry Presents panel is going to be on Thursday, the 18th. That's day one, right? That's the very first day. That is the very first day. Well, yeah. if you're not counting preview night, you know. Which I'm, which I'm not. Okay. Very good. Be there for preview night? Nope. Yeah, well, then it, it hasn't. <laughs> party doesn't start till we get there, John. That's what well, I'm saying. That's, so yeah, anyway, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so the Roddenberry Presents panel is going to be at 1.30. We actually had a uh, phone call earlier today about some exciting stuff that's going to be announced there. So uh, you want to lock it in and rip the knob off. Then Thursday, later, after we've done the big fun Roddenberry panel, uh, John and I are going to go to a uh, a little bar, a little restaurant, uh, Havana 1920, uh, 4 p.m. We are doing a mission log. Are we doing a mission log meetup or an RPN meetup, John? Well, it really this is a mission log meetup. Yeah, yeah it's mission log libre, as we're calling yeah. it. So yeah. don't even mention any of the other RPN shows to us because no, no. it'll make John angry and you wouldn't like him when he's angry. <laughs> And then there's a, and there's a panel later in the week, John. 
Yeah, yeah. So you have uh, Larry Nemechek's famous podcasters panel. That'll be on Saturday the 20th. It's not in the convention center. Uh, they, there is so much Comic-Con. How much Comic-Con? There's all the Comic-Con all over San Diego. We'll be at the library, and that will be followed by a meetup. We kind of did that impromptu last year. We had the panel, and then we all walked up to this great little pub restaurant place to hang out and, and keep talking Trek and the themes of Trek. And then, Larry, for those of you who are fans of Mr. Nemechek, Dr. Trek himself, he will be interviewing Robert Butler. Robert Butler directed The Cage, 1965. And he will be there at Comic-Con, and Larry will be hosting that interview on Sunday. So check your schedules for the exact time and location. Uh, that will be in the convention center, but that would be a cool panel to catch. So that's our SDCC plans. And then Ken will be at STLV, not to be yeah. confused, that would be Star Trek Las Vegas. Right. I was going to say, basically, we get back from San Diego. Uh, we unpack just long enough to do laundry. And then pack it all back in because yeah, we're heading to, uh, we're heading to Star Trek Las Vegas landing party on July 30th. That is preview night, by the way. And we will be there for that preview <laughs> night. So if you're one of the, you know, people who does, you know, the big, like, like captainy captain type tickets, we'll actually be manning our table that Tuesday night. Although we'll bug out a bit early because yeah, landing party, uh, July 30th, the masquerade bar at the Rio. Oh, golly. And then there's a Roddenberry panel, which, um, well, Roddenberry is going to be part of, certainly. There's the Mission Law panel that John and I will be doing. And then uh, there's an RPN panel as well, where we think every show from RPN is going to be represented. Got a fun idea that we're, um, oh, we know the topic. Do you want to say the topic yet or do you want to wait? Let's, on say, it, let's say it. Let's say it because I, we're going to pose a, uh, a poll question, or I think we're going to ask for some audience uh, feedback on that one as well. So, okay. Uh, so basically the idea is we, um, as Star Trek fans, we probably have this idea that what we would really like to see is a Star Trek future. Uh, there are plenty of days where you turn on the news, you go outside, you just open your eyes and say, we're never going to get there. And here's the thing, though. We want to get there. So the question is, how? And so each show is actually going to uh, have a little bit of stage time to pitch their idea. And this is like one of those, eh, kind of like Shark Tank, but with less sharks. <laughs> like, <laughs> you get up and make your case. Like if we're going to get to the 24th century, if we're going to get to that post-scarcity, we've all got, you know, uh, phasers that we never use because we've evolved past that, but we still have them. Don't test us. Uh, we've got transporters. We've got warp drives. If we're going to get there, how are we going to do it? And so Mission Log is going to make their pitch. Uh, Priority will make their pitch. Women at Warp will make their pitch. All the shows on the Roddenberry Podcast Network, well, with the exception of two, this show is not going to do a pitch because this show is like the live version of Mission Log. So that would be a bit silly. Uh, Allison Pitt from uh, Daily Star Trek News is not going to make a pitch because she's actually going to be um, a sort of a master of ceremonies for that uh, for that. Uh, event but other shows on the network including there may be a brand new show on the network by then and we're going to throw them at the deep end and say all right smart guys save the world so mm -hmm. that's a really exciting thing that we're happy about and of course you know the mission log panel is just me and john making stuff up funny that that's my first uh, question for our guest tonight is all right smart guy save the world there you I, go yeah all right. So before we get to that, very quickly, I want to remind you about the poll question that we pose every week. Last week, I had the pleasure of welcoming Elijah from Priority One. Ken, you were you were nowhere to be found. We just did a show I, without you. I was absolutely yeah. nowhere. That's right. Yeah. I, I, I had not crossed Johnny Law, as some people do. Mm -hmm. I wasn't here. But I know there was a panel anyway, a panel, excuse me. I know there was a poll anyway, the poll question that was put out there. Uh, do you feel represented? On Star Trek, 83% of people said yes. 17% of people said no. This is one of those things. I almost feel like this should be like an email thing because I really want to hear from the people who said no. I don't want to argue with them. I want to know, I want to know why they don't feel like they're represented. That's the kind of discussion that we have like in Masquerade and places like that. Maybe. Yeah, yeah for um, sure. But that was last week's poll question, so we're done with it now. 
All right, this week, in honor of uh, our guests and some of the themes brought up in Trekkies and Trekkies 2, we had to ask, and, and please keep in mind that it is my great pleasure to every week, you know, we, we talk to Earl, talk to Ken, talk to Rod sometimes. It is my great pleasure to always post poll questions uh, that really just complicate and confuse people. Uh, and I love reading those comments. So this week we asked, are you a normal Star Trek fan? 64% of you said yes. Uh, no, 36% of you. There's a full 64% of you that I don't believe. So, uh, <laughs> so. Nice. I was going to yeah. say it, when you call in tonight, uh, 669-900-6833 is the phone number, by the way. 669-900-6833. If you're one of the people who said no, you're not a normal Star Trek fan, uh, please let us know that because I want to know why. Like, do you yeah. feel like you're over the top? Do you feel like you're not Star Trek enough? Which, you know, uh, that feels silly. But I'm not going to tell you that you're silly. I'm going to say, tell me why you're not silly. <laughs> well, without further ado, coming to us from an undisclosed location, uh, it is my pleasure to welcome the man behind, uh, as I said, some documentary films that I know our audience knows, Trekkies and Trekkies 2. Also the man behind the nature of existence, uh, the film, not the nature of existence and his upcoming film, the truth about marriage. Welcome to the show, Roger Nygaard. How are you tonight? Oh, thanks. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Wow. An honor. Hey, don't, don't get ahead of yourself. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I might change my mind by the time this is over. (laughs) Exactly. Well, look, I I want to start uh, really at the beginning because uh, Trekkies, the original Trekkies came out in 97, correct? It was we finished it in ninety seven and started doing film festivals and then it was officially released by Paramount, I believe, in ninety nine is by the time it, it like got its official release. Got it, got it. Okay. And then the follow up uh two thousand four. Four. Wow. Okay. Oh, because of course his enterprise was still on the air when you were uh, shooting some interviews like with Connor and Dom and and all those insane people. So I, I have to ask this, you know. Uh, over the course of a good number of years, you were steeped in this world. Correct me if I'm wrong, though. You're you're not a Trekkie. Well, I always go back whenever I get asked any question along those lines. We have to define terms, right? Uh, of course, sure. What is a Trekkie? And by the definition that most people have, I guess I'm not. I would probably be more accurate, accurately described as a sci-fi fan in general. Grew up watching and loving science fiction with my dad. He introduced me to it. We watched all these movies in the 70s, uh, like Mysterious Island and uh, Time Tunnel, TV series Time Tunnel. And uh, Star Trek was just another series that we loved to watch, which, uh, you know, obviously became um, the, the monster that it is today. At the time, we didn't know that. It was just in syndication that I'd watch it when I came home from school. And my friends and I would always quote lines to each other from the original series because they're so memorable and quotable and it was just another show to me i didn't embrace it as the golden chalice although some of my friends did and my brother is a huge i would call i would say he qualifies so i know everywhere i guess every family has one right and (laughs) my brother was that and a good friend of mine is and he could quote what lines there's no way to beat him in a line quoting challenge he would always win and when Denise Crosby Crosby pitched me the idea to make a documentary about Star Trek fans, I immediately thought of my brother and my friend Jim and thought, yeah, these guys would be really entertaining on camera. So it really was a personal, uh, it was a personal thing that was the appeal. Um, I was was curious. Yeah. Well, well, talk to me about that. What what was the appeal? Because I I guess if I'm not steeped in something uh, that I, I may find it hard to, uh, hard to decide that, okay, this is the thing that I want to spend years of effort on making a film and doing a, a deep dive. Well, you'll find, I think, in all of my films, all my documentaries, I, it's, th- this, it's similarly the case that I'm always an outsider looking in, examining a topic or a subculture or a group or an idea or a concept that I'm not a part of. And I think it gives me a better perspective on what I'm examining by not being within it, I think I can see it better as someone who is learning from it and see, observing it from outside. If you're, if, you know, you can't see the forest for the trees uh, type of thing. 
And so I went into it wondering, well, why is this TV series the biggest fan phenomenon in history? There's something going on. And so that was one of the undercurrents that we examined in the film. We asked that question. But the film Trekkies is really more, it's an examination of people. That's why you don't see any clips of the TV show. It's not about the TV show. That's what it fo uh, fostered this uh, uh, unparalleled obsessive fan phenomenon. And we wanted to know, we wanted to know why, but we're re what's really interesting are these people. They're really fascinating people. As you know, I mean, I don't have to tell you guys, right? You, you know how fascinating you are personally as a, as a person. And then when someone gets obsessive about something, obsession is uh, interesting to watch, but also very funny. And my first job as a filmmaker is to entertain people. If, you, if you're not entertained, you're going to turn the channel. And one of the critiques that I got in making Trekkies 1 was, you didn't show enough normal Star Trek fans. And that's what prompted the question in Trekkies 2, because I thought, I don't know what normal is. What, is, what does that even mean? Who decides? Who's the, who gets to decide what's normal? And, you know, and it's, and so I asked people in Trekkies too, to define what normal, a normal Star Trek fan is for me, please. So I'll better understand. And of course, no one can, no one can agree. And that's part of the fun of asking the question. Well, you almost, I don't want to, I don't want to say hamstrung yourself, but I mean, you almost blew the lid up being able to ask that question because Trekkies, if memory serves, was all across the States. Trekkies too, you're literally going around the world. And I have a feeling that that group that you were talking to in, was it Serbia? I have a feeling that the group that you were talking to in Serbia about what is a normal Star Trek fan versus the group in Sacramento, where you, I think there were five Star Trek bands that were <laughs> yeah, right. four or five. But each one of them had a different series that they took as the basis as the theme for their band. Right. Oh, dude, I want to know if there are actually any of them still there, because if there's a weekend where they're all playing, I want to go to Sacramento. I mean, John, I don't know. Well, anyway. Well, I mean, we, we've got Warp 11 on our show. I mean, their music right. anyway. Yeah, yeah. Right. So I want to I mean, take it with them sometime. Yeah. But they, the whole like no kill I and then NKI the next generation and then NKI yeah. Deep Space Nine. I mean, all that was kind of incredible. <laughs> I mean, but so... Uh, Talk to me, I guess, a couple of things I'm wondering about. You made Trekkies, and it seems like Trekkies is fine. Why do you go back and do Trekkies too? And then talk to me about the decision to go, literally to go global. I hope there's a day that comes when, you're, when you'll, you'll be able to ask me, why did you make Trekkies 5? Well, that was going to be a question. I, yeah, because yeah. You go to make that movie now. Well, I see. I want to get the answer. Asking in the chat room, they're they're already saying, "When are we going to see Trekkies 3? I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, that's going to be a completely different movie if you do that now. Because I'm thinking about people like uh, we have a friend, a uh, friend of the show, named Mahogany, who hmm. who her entry into Star Trek, if memory serves, or at least the one that really resonates with her, is Discovery. I mean, there's so much stuff happening on screen now that. Two years from now, I think if you did make Trekkies 3, uh, or when you do make Trekkies 3, uh, your answers are going to be wildly different. Your your crowd is going to be wildly different. But let's not go there yet. Talk to me about <laughs> Trekkies 2. <laughs> yeah. About Trekkies 2? Why do we make Trekkies 2? Well, part of the reason was we got critiques, and we thought it would be interesting to, to follow up on, on the critiques people made. Separately, we, we also didn't go international. and We had a whole region, a whole entire continents of people that we could talk to, examine, ask them why they were uh, enamored with this TV show. And then there's also the, the third aspect was kind of the Michael Apted 7-Up, 14-Up, 21-Up uh, idea where you check back with people years later to see what happened to them. And when we discussed, should we do another one, these were enough to intrigue us enough to go forward apart, particularly the idea of going international and finding out what other fans, fans in other countries were like. I think that was the, the primary thing that, that got us excited. I'm glad you mentioned uh, the seven up and, and everything that followed on, because I mean, it did remind me of that when you went back to some of the people in the original film. Um, yes. Yeah, some and had guess, changed well, quite a bit. Like, you know, Gabriel was married after the first one. And then Barbara Adams, the Whitewater juror, 
it was really funny. Almost nothing had changed. She was still working at Sir Speedy Print Shop in Little Rock, Arkansas. But every single person in the print shop had changed, with different, including the owners. She was the one thing <laughs> that was still there. Wow. Wow. Well, it, there was something that... Um... There was something that came up for me in Trekkies 2. First of all, good on you for having uh, people who were critical. I noticed you had Robert Meyer Burnett in there saying, yeah, I think you basically had on some weirdos and you you (laughs) made it a little sensational. So good on you for having people in there who were challenging what you did in the first movie. Um, But there was a moment that I, I surprised myself because you pose this very interesting question of what is normal. And then the, that was sort of part of a conversation about Trekkies versus Trekkers and how Star Trek fans look at each other. And I was sitting there watching this thinking, wow, these are some really extreme Star Trek fans. Wow, these people are a little, a little out of the ordinary. And then as soon as Trekkies started talking about each other that way, well, I'm I'm a trekker, not a trekkie. A trekkie is like this. A trekker is like that. Then I got really defensive, thinking like, "Oh no, 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 no! Don't you judge other trekkies? Wait, I just did. I'm so sorry." You know? <laughs> right? Who made who made you the boss? Who made them the boss? Who gets exactly. to decide what you know what's what is or isn't crazy? Part of the way we structured Trekkies one, if you if you look back at it, the first half of the film is filled with the more unusualness of people and so we can kind of get that out of the way look how crazy or weird or bizarre they are and then the second half you start to get used to them and think you know what they're not so bad and and that was the arc we wanted to trace so that by the end of the film a viewer was going you know it's there are worse things to be obsessed with than a tv show that espouses values like the prime directive and don't interfere with other cultures and everyone's working uh, together of different races and, and people who are handicapped or, or, or disabled. Everyone has an equal shot, men, women. You know, a, a TV show with those values is not such a bad thing to be obsessed with. And so that was the arc that we subtly tried to trace by structuring the film the way we did. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And uh, I, I do want to kind of move this conversation into uh, themes that I picked up in the nature of existence, because I, uh, there are some similar tactics that you have there. Uh, but we have Keith uh, standing by who wants to chat with us. Keith, how are you doing tonight? I am doing well, John. How are you? I'm very good. I, I like the uh, shirt there, sort of a nod to Ken, I, uh, I take it. Yeah, let's have words, Ken, before we get into our actual conversation. Oh, today, oh because, well, here, I'll, I'll just you know, step Mac, Mac OS Ken, I'm, I don't drink coffee. So Mac OS Ken is my morning coffee, mm-hmm. and which is great. For the last decade, I've been listening to that long. And then, there you go. And then along comes Allison with Daily Star Trek News. Yeah. And she's like my morning Cinnabon. So now I've got coffee and Cinnabon and I'm in heaven. (laughs) And then the two of them take a vacation the same week. And I've got nothing all week long last week. (laughs) You know, I think every, I think every podcast should be daily, honestly. So you should, you should never go without is my feeling. But what's on your mind tonight, sir? Well, I'm just thinking about the nature of Trek fandom and. I remember being a kid, you know, long before social media. And if you, even before Star Wars came out and became the cultural phenomenon that it is today, where it's part of the zeitgeist, you know, you say Star Wars, pretty much everybody knows Darth Vader, Obi-Wan Kenobi, and R2-D2. You say Star Trek, you know, maybe they know that guy with the pointy ears and they've heard of the Enterprise, but they don't know the characters. They don't know what it's about. You know, they they don't know the difference between a galaxy, See far, far away a long, long time ago. I just reversed that. And, you know, the future and the hope of mankind and humanity. It was always just, you know, phasers, a guy with pointy ears and transporters. And so there was a level of geekdom there that was just always associated with being a fan of Star Trek. And you get, you always wanted to seem normal when you're watching Star Trek. But when you try to talk about it with people who weren't into it, you were just a complete full on dork. And then I watched, you know, Trekkies and I'm like, 
you know, and, and I loved, I love both of them. I, I thought they were both, you know, masterworks, you know, so good on you, Roger, for, for the work you did there. Thank you. Uh, but, you know, when I look at some of these people, I'm like there, but for the grace of God, go I, you know, some of them took their fandom seriously, like, okay, we're really having fun with this. But some of them, like one guy I won't mention, because he says not nice things about other people in real life. Um, I'm just like, yeah, you need some medication, buddy. And I just, you know. <laughs> Here's what I don't funny. understand, though. I And I had a discussion with a friend of mine. We went to a Comic-Con several years ago, and it was a smaller city. It was not it was a big Comic-Con, but uh, I think he wore his Boba Fett hoodie, and I wore my TNG hoodie. Mm-hmm. And and then we went to um, we went to a bar afterwards, and he took off his Boba Fett hoodie before we went inside. I got my TNG hoodie on, and he was he was kind of like, why why can't I do that? Why don't I get to do that? And I looked around, and there were three people wearing football jerseys. Mm-hmm. And I pointed at the smallest woman there, and I was like, what position do you think she plays for the Bills? <laughs> And he's like, I, I don't think she plays for the Bills. I was like, exactly. I mean, why is it okay? You know, why is it okay for that, but not okay, you know, for you? I think about people who can like, who can recite sports stats and who will go nuts about, you know, when the Bruins were absolutely ruined because of some trade that happened in the nineties or something stupid like that. And I say stupid, and I shouldn't say stupid because that person thinks that's amazing. But then if I started saying half the stuff I think about Star Trek, they'd probably think I was a loon. Because, you know, I, and I, you know what, I, you, you actually brought the same topic up back on my podcast, the uh, Trexperts Roundtable back in the day. Mm-hmm. And I think the only fundamental difference there with the people that are fans of any particular sport to that extreme is that in their mind, it's legitimate because it really happened. These are real people playing a real game and it's, you know, their city pride you know, for wherever they live versus something that's completely fictionalized and made up. Is it a real game, an oxymoron, a real game? (laughs) You're exactly right, Roger. Perfect. (laughs) I actually actually thought about saying that TNG really happened and that there was a set and there were scripts and you could go (laughs) just as real as as any game. The future of mankind. It did happen in the future. (laughs) Anything else on your mind tonight, sir? Not a lot to say this week. Just, uh, Wanted to say hi, and I'm glad you and Allison are both back. It was it was refreshing yesterday and today to have you both on my morning drive to my early morning Mac clients. Well, I you know uh, we are actually both uh, Star Trek podcasters, and there is a week coming up that I can almost guarantee there will be no content. Like, are we, uh, John? You and I haven't even talked about what we're going to do that week. No, I do. No idea. Brace yourself or maybe go back. My catalog, I think, is up there for the past ten years. So just do a blast from the past. I love the fact that you're going to be traveling when the uh, yeah don't quarterly, even start when quarterly report comes out for Apple. <laughs> don't even don't even start with me. Thank you very much for calling in tonight, man. I really appreciate it. All right, live wrong and perspire, guys. <laughs> Take care. So, uh, Roger, I, I want to ask you um, when you did these two films, and it was very, very interesting. You were right. able to follow up with uh, with some from Trekkies to Trekkies too. But I'm curious, who are the ones who surprised you? You know, everybody has a unique story. Everybody, um, I, I feel like, through careful selection. Um, and was it you picking the people to go after? Did you do a casting call? How did you get these people to be in this film? But who, who are the ones who maybe challenged or surprised your notion of what you were getting into in a deep dive of Trekdom? Well, in Trekkies 1, we just went to conventions and asked people questions. And then the ones who are really interesting kind of presented themselves sometimes right there. You thought, like, when we went to Australia in Trekkies 2, we, and we, this became a, a routine of ours, a part of our method. We go to a convention. Here's what it's like at a convention in Melbourne. And then we would pick somebody and go home with them and see what their home life was like. And it almost didn't matter who we picked. Anyone we went home with was interesting and surprising. What, what, what they, who they were was unpredictably interesting. And that, uh, it, it, it almost, it never failed. Everybody's interesting. In Trekkies 1, like Gabriel was somebody that Denise met in line with signing autographs, and she, and she brought 
Gabriel over and we did an interview, a brief seven minute interview, which is, that's pretty brief for a documentary. And we Mm -hmm. cut, you know, when I was editing the first version of the film, I cut a few lines in and then I watched, I said, we got to find him again and go, it it, it was obvious. We've got to know more about this person. So we tracked him down and went to, went home with him. So that became our process is to go home with people, get to know them, see what their life is like outside of a Star Trek convention. And your question is about who surprised me. They're all, it's always a surprise what you find when you go there. The second time we went back to Barbara Adams in Little Rock, Arkansas, she introduced us to her neighbor, who was a huge surprise, who was had these pictures, these drawings of aliens that she showed us <laughs> that were real yes. drawings of actual aliens. And we didn't see that coming. Well, well wait a minute. Can, can, hang on. Can, can we parse that for just a moment? Uh, no, you cannot parse it. You heard what he said. Uh, no. wasn't, I, wasn't I clear? Yeah. Was, <laughs> you were so clear. You were so clear. That's that what she that. said. And we didn't, you know, it wasn't like challenging her. It was just, there was a real alien that's that had sat for a portrait that somebody drew. as She had purchased right. a picture from someone at a convention. Yeah. Yeah, that that was um, that was an interesting moment in the documentary. Surpri- see, a surprise, right? We <laughs> right. didn't see that coming. We just thought we'd go see what's new with Barbara Adams, and you know, there's always a surprise. Here's what I wonder, though, and it, and it almost goes back to what I was saying uh, to Keith a moment ago. Uh, by the way, other people should feel free to call in six six nine nine hundred six eight three three is the phone number to call six six nine nine hundred six eight three three, or use the one tap from your smartphone. Or if you're on the Facebook page, just click the thing. They'll get you right through to us because you have questions and and, and Roger has answers. Um, sort of goes back to what I was saying to Keith a moment ago, like people who wear you know T-shirts for their favorite sports team. Or I have a police shirt that I bought at a concert 10 years ago, and I, I love that shirt. Nobody ever asked me questions about it. I've got this. I've got a little tiny Star Trek Delta that I wear as an earring. And I can't tell you how many times uh, on my trip, actually, including getting onto the airplane. I'm getting onto the airplane, and the guy whose job it is to bring me peanuts and drinks and save my life if the plane goes down is like, hey, Star Trek. That's great. And like, I mean, like, it, there's like this little, like, like I wonder if, I don't, I'm not saying everybody should wear their fandom on their sleeve, but I wonder if people did like, wear it out a tiny bit more the same way that people wear crosses or the same way that people wear um, sports jerseys or what have you, if we would find that there were maybe more, uh, more, more of us out there than than we realize. There are many, obviously it's from a psychological perspective and maybe that's something we would get into. I would like to get into more deeply is the psychology behind fandom in uh, general and Star Trek fandom in specific is why do people wear signifiers of what they like and it's tribal we're all part of tribes and our tribes overlap if you have an iphone you're part of the iphone tribe if you have a mac you know if you have a pc you're part of the microsoft tribe and and if you wear a delta on your earring uh, and, and your uh on your ear you're signifying that you're part of the star trek tribe in general and maybe if you're a niner if you, gs9 you know you're you're signifying you're a part of a a subset a strata of that sub of that group, a subgroup of the group, but we're all tribal. It's innate in human nature. And we like to advertise because then that's how we meet people of our tribe. And we, then we have things in common automatically with, with them to talk about and to connect. We're social beings. We like to connect. We need to connect with other people and it's one way to do it. Roger Nygaard is our guest. He of Trekkies and Trekkies 2 and other films, which I know John is dying to get into more. But first, John, we've got some other business that we want to do. Yes. So uh, right now, if you're joining us on Facebook and you're looking in the chat, you will see one of our friends typing away part of the conversation. His name is Scott Palm. Now, we launched a fundraiser for Scott a couple of months ago, and we're keeping that fundraiser up and active until we reach our goal. That fundraiser is for the heroic curriculum. Now, that is a curriculum that Scott has developed with the Pop Culture Hero Coalition with two important goals. First of all, it's about teaching children with serious physical disabilities Qualities like resilience, healthy identity, breaking barriers, and other crucial mental health and life skills. The other important approach for the heroic curriculum 
is about teaching and reaching the peers of those children with disabilities and getting messages about inclusion, ending marginalization, and being an ally to those other students. Now, October is Bullying Prevention Month. We reach our first goal, and remember, we are more than halfway there. Scott's program can start and run for a full six months. It is great work. It is important work. And here's the thing. It is not the easiest work to do because Scott has cerebral palsy. And this is why the Roddenberry Foundation is joining with you to help Scott help the world. Go to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash missionlogpod, or you can go to twitter.com slash missionlogpod. You will see a link to the fundraiser pinned at the top of each of those pages. Every dollar that you give will be matched by the Roddenberry Foundation. So you'll be contributing to something that truly embraces the values of Star Trek put into action. And remember that the Roddenberry Foundation doubles your donation. Facebook.com slash missionlogpod. Look for that post. Make a donation. Every dollar becomes $2, $5 becomes $10. Every bit helps. And listen, even if you can't donate, it is vitally important that you share the post. That's all you need to do. Hit share. Make sure your friends are aware of it. We certainly appreciate it. Scott appreciates it. And it might even help make the world a better place. And I see you all in there in the chat. Say hi to Scott. And uh, in his name, go over and click on that link and uh, give a little bit of money because Roddenberry Foundation will match it. 669-900-6833 is the phone number to call. 669-900-6833. Or you can use the one top from your smartphone. Or if you're on the Facebook page, click there and do the stuff. And then you get to, not only do you get to talk to John and Roger and me, you get to talk to Earl. I mean, seriously, does your yeah, cup yeah. runneth over? Mm-hmm. Uh, let me ask you a question, Roger. You said that, um, so for Trekkies, uh, Denise Crosby approached you. You also said that you tend to sort of be outside in a lot of the, uh, in a lot of the documentaries that you make. Um, if you are sort of an outsider, and I assume that nobody came to you to do the truth about marriage, or I could be wrong, or the nature of existence, and I could be wrong about that as well. How do you choose what you're going to do next? Because, I mean, as John mentioned earlier, uh, this is not like, oh, I'll do that for like a week. I mean, this is, this is a serious commitment. If you're not going into something like, I'm rabid about, you know, X, so I'm going to concentrate on that for a year or two, how do you choose the things that you're going to go into? Well, you are correct. Nobody approached me about the truth about marriage or the nature of existence. And it was Denise's idea to do Trekkies. Because I had worked with her in my first feature. I had cast her in a dramatic role or a comedic role and had stayed in touch. And she pitched me the idea years later. My uh, second documentary between Trekkies 1 and 2 is called Six Days in Roswell, which is about UFO fanatics. And uh, the person I partnered with on that, it was his idea. And in each of these cases, the concept itself has to be engaging enough to hold my attention for years at a time. You're right. It took me four years to do The Nature of Existence. And The Truth About Marriage took me almost eight years to complete. Trekkies 1 took, uh, actually was very quick. It was only nine months from start to finish. We did that very rapidly. Trekkies 2 took 18 months. And so they're all a little different. But in in, in any case, it's still a long, uh, large commitment. You're right. And so I become fascinated enough by a concept or an idea to to plow forward. For example, the nature of existence. My core question was, why do we exist? That is, it's impossible. How do you make a documentary about existentialism? It it can't be done. And that was part of the the attraction, the challenge of it. And so I did, and and I made something, I made a film about trying to answer, why are we here and what is our purpose? With the truth about marriage, my core question is, why is marriage so hard for human beings? If, 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 if I was selling you a product and I came to you and said, uh, hey, Ken, I've got this great product. You're going to love it. Everybody's getting it. You're, you know, you got to get one. And if you said, I want it too, then is it any good? Is there any guarantee? And I said, well, you know, half of them fail and the other half, they keep working, but you got to work really hard to keep them going. You'd say, go back to the drawing board and fix your product before I'm going to buy it. That's what marriage is like. Everyone wants it, but it's so flawed that half statistically fail. If you define failure as ending, 
in which <laughs> I guess it is. And the other half, they're, it's not easy. You got to put a lot of effort into it. It doesn't come natural. And why is that? So that's the core question I set out and have answered, I believe, in the nature of existence. And in Trekkies, they're, they're not as much concept documentaries as a portrait of a subculture of people. And the question for Trekkies was, why are these people so enamored of this one particular thing? And then we broaden the scope in Trekkies too. And in the uh, uh, my second documentary, Six Days in Roswell, the idea, it's about a guy, I followed this gentleman who was in Trekkies. He, he's the guy who goes to the Radio Shack and then you see him driving down the street in a Captain Pike chair. He, uh, I spawned him off basically into his own documentary as he went on a journey down to Roswell, New Mexico for the 50th anniversary of the crash of this alleged spaceship with the goal of being abducted when he gets there and trying to interview enough people to learn how to meet aliens and be abducted. So I followed him on a journey and to, to learn about aliens and are they coming here and, and why, and what do they want from us? So all of these things are questions that intrigued me enough to hold my attention long enough to get to a final cut. Well, I, I tell you what, let's uh, let's talk to a real life Trekkie right now. We've got one on the line. We have uh, it's our friend Cosmo. Cosmo, how are you doing tonight? Good to see you. Welcome back in. Thank you very much, sir. Um, I wasn't planning on calling in today, but the uh, chat about Star Trek fans ju judging other Star Trek fans in the movie uh, that got me thinking. Uh, I've got a very modest little Star Trek Twitter personality and uh, I've been very blessed to avoid and be uh, ignorant to some of the negativity out there. And I, I sat back and watched the Star Wars fans eat each other alive with The Last Jedi and I was kind of thinking to myself, man, the Star Trek community sure is great. And uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, I went down a dark rabbit hole with uh, some William Shatner drama with some fans, and it got really ugly between fans of the fan who was fighting with Shatner and then Shatner fans, and it was just Star Trek fans being really mad at other Star Trek fans. And I hadn't seen that kind of stuff before. So I did, and I know I don't need to tell this to the mission log audience, but just signal boost the, the positives. And we are a wonderful community. And uh, I mean, Edic, uh, and there's so many wonderful people out there. Let's just not focus on the negatives. And uh, after that one afternoon, I just got kind of depressed. And I said, I'm out of this and I'm staying out of it. And I'm focusing on the good stuff. Uh, well said. I mean, I, I'll tie that into, uh, Roger, something you brought up, you know, talking about wearing a symbol, uh, that there's something about the uh, tribalism, you know, identifying what it is that you're into. And, and, you know, we try to make a point when we need to make that point on Mission Log. Star Trek's not a religion. Star Trek's not uh, uh, a, a worldview. It, it, it's none of those. It's a piece of fiction that has some very good ideas in it. And those ideas, the good ones, should be celebrated and discussed and, and adopted and absorbed. But we need to remember what it is that we're talking about. But there's still something about it that speaks to people that is so deeply personal. So that... Um, <laughs> So that when when people feel challenged, uh, that that it is it is in a sense challenging a a part of their personality, a part of who they are, and I I see these parallels between looking at people in Trekkies and then looking at people in Nature of Existence. I mean, in Trekkies, you're you're getting into something that is sort of surface and fun and light yet people have dedicated their lives to it and really identify a big part of themselves as part of this thing. Nature of existence, you're talking to people all over the world about God and or lack thereof and life and meaning and these huge things that, again, uh, inform and are a part of how they see themselves and how they see the world. So I'm very curious, whether it's with Trekkies or with uh, uh, the the gurus that you've talked to, and and deep religious believers and non-believers alike, 
you have somehow managed to turn on a camera, start talking, and actually have enlightening, pleasant conversations. And with people who I would see being as far on the opposite end of the spectrum from me as they could possibly be, and yet you turn in this civil and engaging <laughs> piece of entertainment that we can all absorb. How in the world do you do that? I'm thinking recently in my life, uh, about five minutes into a conversation that, that taps into deep personal beliefs and worldviews, I'm uh, either the, the, the volume goes up, uh, the anger comes out and, uh, and those personal things can't be extracted from what should just be ideas to discuss. You're, you're, you're kind of uh, uh, miraculous that way. I'm always impressed. Well, the secret, I'll tell you the secret. Here's the secret. When I go on a mission to interview people, I don't have to defend anything because I don't have a dog in the race. I don't have a God that I've chosen that's the right one in the nature of existence. In Star Trek, I don't have one of the series that's the best. I don't, I don't, I'm not there to promote or defend. I'm there to listen. That's all. I go and I ask people what they think with an open mind because I'm genuinely curious and I want to know why they believe or think something. And there's nothing that's more satisfying to another human being than when you can say to them, what do you think about this? And then genuinely listen, actively listen to what they have to say. And you're, by doing so, you're recognizing them as a human being. And it, it creates a bond between you, the listener, and the person speaking that you genuinely ask them, what do they think? And, you're, you, and you really care and you want to know. And I'm not challenging them or telling them, them they're wrong or that, well, what about this? What do you mean you believe in Hindu gods? How many are there? Well, how can you believe that? When, you know, I don't go there. It's more about, tell me why you believe or what, what is Hinduism about? Are there really many gods? Or is there just one? Explain it to me. And sometimes my question itself is almost unanswerable. How can there be many gods and one God? Or what, what is, you know, what I, 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 my questions are challenging, but people welcome, they like challenging questions, especially religious experts. They love nothing more than a catechism, than someone will come and, and challenge them with, with difficult questions. They've been waiting for their life to answer these questions, to, so, you know, instead of, uh, people just talking on the surface. And by asking challenging questions and listening, you go below the surface and you bond with other human beings. And I've done this all over the world, whether it's Star Trek fans or uh, Muslims or uh, Jainists or people who believe that they've been abducted by aliens uh, and, and people who believe in marriage, people who believe in polyamory, people who, who, who think they'll stay single their whole life. Whatever it is, I'm just there to learn and if we could, if you want, it's a good uh, practice, try it sometime. Ask, just ask someone what they think genuinely and listen actively. And you're going to make a deep connection with them and a, probably a lifelong friend. So Cosmo, they, Cosmo, there you go. There, there's the answer. And Roger is so much better at that than I am. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to try harder. But Cosmo, it sounds like it's about listening and genuine interest. And uh, that is how we will make the world a better place. Uh, so, all right. Cosmo, we will see you soon. Thanks for okay. joining us. Bye, guys. Bye. So, have you had a have you had a topic yet where you're like, all right, well, this is just nuts. <laughs> <laughs> Many, <laughs> lots of them. Yeah, but it doesn't nut. The more nuts, the better. All right. True. True. Yeah. Uh, six, six, nine, nine hundred, six, eight, three, three is the phone number to call six, six, nine, nine hundred, six, eight, three, three. Or you can use the one tap from your smartphone or you can, um, you know, what's the other thing? Sorry. I was checking the screen to see uh, who was up next. Uh, you can, yeah, if you're on the Facebook page, just click on all the stuff there. All of it. It'll walk you through. Yeah. Don't, don't all, click all, all the stuff once. there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah because Facebook's going to get some weird ideas about what kind of ads to, you know, send you going forward. But isn't what they, isn't that what happened in Chernobyl? Didn't they click too many buttons at once? I say same exact thing. <laughs> same thing. Yeah. That's just, that's just horrifying. Anyway, call us. That's what I'm saying. Cause we've got like 10 more minutes and we'll talk. Uh, Scott has actually done that. Scott, good evening, sir. Ken, nice to be with you guys again. Hey, Scott, how are you? 
Hey, can I make a plea before I make my statement? Oh, can sure. I, can I get you guys to maybe consider coming to the Comic Cons around Knoxville, Tennessee area and, and Johnson City, Tennessee, where, you know, I can come? <laughs> I, that's, I would love that. Yeah. yeah, that's actually not a that's not a difficult thing because I, I have family in Nashville. So, you know, going an hour and a half that way or I guess more like three hours, but going three hours that way to get there. Yeah, absolutely. Can you get good catfish there? <laughs> yes, you can. I will take you to the places, sir. I promise. <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do a three man road trip right here. We're, we're yeah. Uh, I would let, yeah, uh, like Ken, I'm from the South and I miss good barbecue and it's been a long time since I've had good cat. Plus we can go to the sun sphere. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that'd yeah. be great. I, I don't know about that. I, I've got a hot thing, but we'll, we'll try. <laughs> okay. <laughs> What's on your mind tonight, sir? I guess just a contribution, you know, we're talking about fandom and all that. And I like, uh, his idea about humans are tribal. I would I would probably add one more thing to that. Humans do a thing called imprinting as well from a fan who's been a lifelong fan uh, ever since I first saw Star Trek as a little kid. The thing that I loved about what Gene did with this science fiction show is he gave, he gave us something to look up to and take, for instance, a young kid who's impressionable uh, or young person, man, woman, um, sitting in front of that TV and they're watching uh, a leader, let's say such as Captain Kirk. And you see him doing the struggle like any human would. What's the right thing to do? What's the best thing to do? Uh, let's try to save this planet, this people solve this problem. And you see him trying to struggle to do the right thing. And that makes a great impression on you. And I've heard Ken, you spoke of hearing testimonials from people that, you know, I went into this field because I saw something in Star Trek. Um, Patrick Stewart in an interview spoke and said that he spoke to a cop whose daily routine was to see a lot of the ugliness of life. Uh, I think he was in Las Vegas and he, he saw a lot of the ugliness that went on. And when he had a really, really bad day, he put in an episode of Star Trek and sat down and watched that hope that the show brought and it encouraged him to go another round, another day on that job. And I, 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 I'm afraid, sadly, <laughs> we've got a lack of the type of leaders like Picard and Kurt that a lot of young kids could look up to. But that's that's one of the things that draw me and, and maybe you guys as well to the show is to look up to that bar, see that standard that Gene put out there and go, you know, I'm going to try for that. I'm really I'm, I'm I'll be curious to see what happens with the um the show that they're developing for Nickelodeon which I know sounds weird because I mean there are two ways that can go. I mean that can be CBS being very smart and hooking them when they're young, right? It can also be sort of getting in early with that kind of wonderful message. Um that's you know fingers crossed. That's my hope because it would be great to be able to see that. I mean, look, we have the Orville, so I'm fine, <laughs> but it would be great to see that. It would be great to see that with the Delta as opposed to just a union, a, a union ship as well. I, I agree totally with you, Ken. That's, that's basically all I have, but just kind of from that perspective as, as a fan, I know you got some of the fringes, uh, things that go on, uh, but essentially I, that's what Star Trek did for me. That's really that's that's really cool to hear. Hey, listen, uh, save up next year. Come to Vegas anyway. We'll go to Knoxville. I promise. We'll go to Knoxville. <laughs> oh, we'll come to Vegas. Right. You know. I'll try. Thank yeah, you guys man. for taking my call. There, Scott. Hey, uh, we've got how many minutes left, John? About seven, seven minutes. Yeah. yeah. So time enough to get somebody else on. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three is the phone number to call. Six six nine nine hundred six eight three three. Or you can use the one top from your smartphone or use the uh, use the link in, uh, in Facebook. I want to remind you really quickly about the other shows on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. See, Keith called in earlier and he's like, well, I listen to you every day. And so you weren't there and I had nothing to listen to. Dude, there are so many shows on the Roddenberry Podcast Network. You could have just stacked them up because we got Mission Log, which comes out every uh, Thursday. Mission Log Live, of course, uh, happens on Tuesday. It comes out Tuesday night or Wednesday. Uh, the Trek Files also comes out on Tuesday uh, Priority One, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast, comes out on Friday. And, of course, Daily Star Trek News, that's five days a week. Five days last week, notwithstanding. <laughs> so, podcast.roddenberry.com. Uh, our goal, 
kind of like what they're doing with Star Trek. Eventually, we would like to have something for everybody. Right now, we have lots of stuff for lots of people. So, you know, keep tuning in. Keep checking it out. Uh, new stuff coming. What was that from? That was from uh, Rabbit Hill, wasn't it? New folks coming. Oh, my. Yes. Mm-hmm. New stuff coming to the Roddenberry Podcast Network. So keep an eye on that. Podcast.roddenberry.com. Hey, Roger, in the kind of dwindling minutes here of the show, and and you, it's interesting, you know, you, you say that you uh, went into these films not as a Trekkie. You didn't grow up as sort of, you know, steeped in, in Star Trek fandom, uh, but clearly you you knew of the show, and there, there were people in your family who were uh, uh, certainly fans of the show, and you got to know these fans very well. Uh, I'm curious about a couple of things. One, uh, you did go back and follow up on some stories. I'm curious if anybody keeps in touch with you still. You know, you seem to have a real bond, uh, whether it was in Trekkies or Nature of Existence, and I'm, I'm certainly curious to see when Truth About Marriage comes out. You seem to really form these interesting uh, friendships and intellectual bonds with the people that uh, that you talk to. Uh, so I'm curious about that, and I'm also curious maybe about uh, the takeaways uh, from Star Trek. Something that Ken and I do week after week looking at episodes of Star Trek is trying to determine what it's all about. And what Scott just called in and, and told us about the the inspiring aspects of the show I'm curious if you get something like that out of uh, out of Trek, or if that's what you see in fans, or do you do you see something else? Uh, a lot of people stay in touch, uh, and I stay in touch with a lot of people in, in, all around the world that I've met making the Trekkies documentaries and the Nature of Existence, and all my films. I meet people and, and bond with them by uh, wondering about their lives and learning about them and 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 interacting, and I. I get a lot out of it by doing this, by meeting people. There's uh, like Relia uh, Trajkovic, uh, one of the Serbians. Part of the reason I think I'm still close friends with him and that many of the people I'm still friends with is because the type of person that's drawn to Star Trek is the type of person that is likable in general. They have, qu- or at least to me, they have qualities that I find very likable. They're smart, they're fun, they're funny, they're... They're knowledgeable. They like sci-fi. They, 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 whatever it is about that show, the type of person it draws is also a person that I'm drawn to. And then, and obviously that people within fandom are drawn to. So similar people are drawn together and make lifelong bonds and sometimes get married because they meet people with the similar values, similar core values. One of the things I learned in making the truth about marriage is that a key factor of success in a happy relationship is to make sure the person you marry has the same core values as you do. Otherwise, they're going to drive you crazy later. <laughs> and people don't think about that. They, they, it's a more, uh, they overlook a lot of those things. But if you both vehemently disagree about something, uh, a core value, whether or not to have children is a, is a core value, how to spend money or save money, neatness or messiness many people get by and they overlook it and they do okay but that makes it much harder when your core values are very different but the core values of people that are drawn to star trek i think they have that in common and that's why they bond and that's why i like to stay in touch with a lot of the people that i meet while making films uh, in specific and in general when traveling Interesting. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. A lot of people here are just chiming in. There's Paul saying, friends for life are found at conventions. And uh, Scott, you know, saying, been there. And John uh, Cooley, here, here. So uh, nice to hear what you're saying reflected in uh, in our listeners as well. Um, I, I do realize we only have a couple of minutes here. Ken, I don't know if you have any uh, last questions before we uh, ask Roger where we can find him and his upcoming work. Well, actually, I was just I, I I we started to talk about the going around the globe thing earlier, and unfortunately, we I, I've got like thirty seconds now to ask about that. How did you find the people internationally? Because I mean, you were at the first, if memory serves, uh, from watching the movie, you were at the first Serbian Star Trek convention. Obviously, you can't just go to a convention and say, "Hey, when's the first one?" I mean, like, how did you? How did you? Larry find- Larry Nemesek. Uh, oh. Larry Nemechek, yeah. really? Nemechek. Yeah. I mean, it's it's people. They come to us sometimes, but you just ask around, and everybody knows. Oh, you got to meet this person. Far out. 
Larry yeah. never introduces me to anybody. No. <laughs> well, no. you know, maybe it's you. <laughs> Most certainly is. I, I, I've suspected that for quite a while. <laughs> hey, uh, so obviously you have you have past work, you have work coming up. If people want to find out about you, uh, social media, uh, uh, website, all that stuff, uh, where would the best places? My name is Roger Nygaard dot com is where you can find me spelling my name n-y-g-a-r-d my current film is the truth about marriage dot com you can learn about that film it's going to be screening coming up at the breckenridge film festival september 19th and the free thought film festival in pittsburgh september 20th and then the twin cities film festival in minneapolis october 18th and all that information is at the nature of uh, or the truth about marriage dot com Excellent. Roger, I can't thank you enough. This has been great. I feel like we just, you know, scratched the surface on uh, your terrific films. I do want to encourage everybody, go check out Trekkies and Trekkies 2. If for some weird reason you haven't seen them, also check out The Nature of Existence and The Truth About Marriage. Now is the time for me to remind you that Mission Log Live is produced by Roddenberry Entertainment, executive producer Rod Roddenberry. Technical production on Mission Log Live is by Earl Green. Be sure to visit podcast.com roddenberry.com for the latest from the roddenberry podcast network including not just mission log but also women at work priority one the trek files and your daily star trek news if you'd like to support mission log directly give us a look at patreon.com slash mission log fun items are there including early access videos for your weekly mission log thanks to everyone who joined us live or later and we will talk to you next week podcast.roddenberry.com The Roddenberry Podcast Network